Hello, and welcome to BrainShare, all things sales podcast. I'm Katie Moulton, a new SDR looking to learn some tips and tricks from other salespeople. Welcome to the show, Nick Runlet. How's it going? It's going very well. I'm uh, grateful to be here. Thank you, Katie. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, to get us started off, do you want to give us a little introduction, who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So, uh, <laughs> well, it's funny. I just quit my job as the uh, sales team lead at Toggle Track. Um, yesterday was my last day. I'm now doing uh, sales consulting, helping startups build out their first sales organization and their first sales process from scratch. Um, so that's a, a pretty cool, exciting transition for me. Um, prior to that, I was, uh, you know, obviously doing sales at Toggle full time. I basically built out their entire sales Oregon process from scratch. Um, and it was interesting cause they were a $10 million software company, but they'd never had a sales team before. So I was hired on as the first account executive doing all that kind of work of more or less a director of sales. And, uh, that was a really rewarding and enriching experience. I learned a lot from that. I'm very grateful to Toggle. And, uh, before that, I was uh, doing various, you know, other sales roles, entrepreneurial ventures, and so on um, most of my life. Uh, I love sales. I think sales is all about helping people solve problems. And uh, yeah, excited to talk about it today. Yeah, thanks. Um, so let's just jump right into some general questions, overview of sales. What would your definition of sales be? I like to think of sales in two factors, really. Um, there's, a, there's an artistic element to it. It's the art of helping people solve problems. And I say it's an art because that's a creative endeavor. It requires you to really deeply understand um, your prospect or customer's goals, what guides them and what drives them and what makes them successful, and then provide them with solutions that amplifies their success. And that's an art, that's a dance. Um, but it's also a science. And I view sales as the science of maximizing your outputs from your inputs. Um, I have never been one to make like extremely high levels of consistent activity for the sake of activity in any role. I've always taken a very laser focused approach, put in, you know, the, the correct amount of effort for the right opportunities and seen disproportionate rewards from that. And I think that there's a, a scientific precision element to that in sales as well. Yeah, that's a really cool way to look at it. I've never looked at it as an art before, but I think yeah. it's a very good like overview. It's a very interesting yeah. train of thought to take. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so in your opinion, what makes a good salesperson? I mean, it's several things. I think that um, on a foundational level, a desire to grow personally and to, to always be working on your own personal development. Um, Jim Rohn always said that your personal income rarely, if ever, surpasses your personal development. And there's no career path in which that's more true than sales. Like entrepreneurship is the only other example where that's more true. Um, but in sales, like the amount of work that you put in on yourself is exactly what you get out in terms of your income. The more likable, personable, knowledgeable, um, open, honest, authentic, hardworking, resourceful, reliable of a person you can become, the, uh, the better of a salesperson you'll be, the better of a partner you'll be. Um, that's ultimately like that one foundational thing makes a great person. And then as a result, being a great person makes you a great salesperson. Um, but then beyond that, like, 
just on a more tactical level, like being organized and being able to maintain a, a healthy CRM, like knowing what your process is and, and having a very clear, um, you know, way to execute your day-to-day activities in an efficient manner, um, being coachable and being humble and being willing to, look to like fail and to grow fast. Um, because the quicker that you fail, the more quickly you overcome that like resistance and that rejection and really start to grow inside of your career. So there's probably like 10 more virtues that I could list, but to synthesize, it's, you know, having a focus on personal development, being organized and, and being coachable, humble, and willing to grow. Yeah, for sure. So kind of a follow-up question to that, like, I know a common like thing that people say is like, oh, you need to be really extroverted in order to go into sales. And I think I've heard you talk on this before where that's not necessarily true. Yeah. The, the words I like to use is that's a bullshit lie <laughs> because, because like it's so foundationally untrue. Like I was the nerdy kid um, who played more than 10,000 hours of Counter-Strike Source um, in high school. Always an introvert, always have been, always will be. But um, in sales, you have a unique opportunity to do what's called inside sales, where you don't necessarily have to meet face-to-face with people to be really good at selling. You know, if you can manage to talk to people over the phone and that's not something that completely drains you energetically, um, then you can make six figures as an income stream um, exclusively through talking with people and interacting with people in a way that you don't find draining as an introvert. The only case where being an extrovert is actually an advantage would be something like outbound sales or like, not outbound rather, but um, uh, outside sales, like going door to door or doing these like enterprise type sales um, where you're in meetings with people, you're meeting with the executives, you're taking them out to dinner, you're, you know... one step short of bribery basically (laughs) like like those kinds of sales um which aren't my my cup of tea personally um maybe extroversion you're more suited for it but uh but in principle no you can be wildly successful as an introvert in sales that makes me very happy to hear the first time i ever heard you talk on that was the reason that i now ended up in sales because prior to that i was like nah i'm an introvert i like I don't want to talk to people like that. And then I heard you talk about it. And I'm like, you know, the way he talks about it, it sounds really fun. So let's just go for it. I love to hear that. That's awesome. Thank you, Katie. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so what are the fundamental skills that like you're, you're beginning your first SDR role? What are the fundamental skills that you're going to need to learn? Mm, there's like meta skills and then there's practical skills. So like the practical skills you need to learn are how do you maintain a CRM? How do you update your records? How do you organize your leads so that you can call the ones that have the highest probability of closing first and be more efficient? How do you, you know, convert your leads into opportunities and your opportunities into customers, that whole thing. You have to know and understand your tech stack as a whole. So it's not just the CRM. It's also how do you use a tool like Zoom Info um, to go out and do prospecting? How do you use uh, a sales loft or an outreach to build email cadences and uh, send them to your target audience? Like you have to know how to use the tools of the trade. But then beyond that, um, I feel like really the rest of it is all more like meta skills, cognitive and, uh, and self-development skills. Like when, you, when you're cold calling people, 
how do you master your tone? How do you sound like an authentic human being? Because the greatest temptation of any new salesperson is to put on a persona and to imagine that by hiding behind a persona that you're going to create an imaginary buffer to rejection. But in reality, that doesn't happen. It just increases the likelihood that you'll be rejected. And the quickest way to achieve true success in sales is to drop any veneer of, a, of like a, fake, a false persona or changing your voice um, and to sound like your organic, natural self, to sound as though you're talking to your mother or your brother. Um, so there's a, there's a ton of like mindset shifts that have to happen. Whether you choose to call those skills or not um, it is almost irrelevant. The, the, the reality is that there's only a few practical skills that you need to learn um, in order to be very successful at sales. And it's, it all boils down to you know, just the basics of learning how to use your tech stack and stuff like that. But then beyond that, all the rest of it is psychology. It's your own personal development. Very cool. Um, can we jump into that cold call tone a little bit more? Can you give us a couple oh, yeah. of examples? Yeah, I'll tell you how I used to start my cold calls at Reliant. I used to be like this. Hi there, Katie. This is Nick from Reliant Technology. Did I catch you at a bad time? To which you would say, yes. Oh, I apologize for that. Well, I wanted to give you a quick call to show you how we can help you save up to 70% on your storage hardware and support costs. Do you have five minutes so I can show you how we do that? Now, the intent behind the person who like wrote the script was genuine and sincere. Someone wrote that script um, knowing that it had worked for them at some point at some time, but that's a terrible script. And the way that I'm reading it is also terrible. And it's terrible because I'm putting like artificial energy into it. Whereas I can read the exact same script and it can sound a lot better. And if I were to read the exact same script in a conversational normal tone, it'd be, Hey Katie, this is Nick from Reliant. Did I catch you at a bad time? To which you'd say, uh, I mean, who, what is this in regards to? Well, sure. I, I wanted to give you a quick call to share how I can help you save up to 70% on your storage hardware and support costs. Do you have five minutes so I can show you how we do that? And what you'll notice there is that the tones are a lot more, um, they're like simultaneously muted, but they're more varied. Like, it, there's not this like insincere artificial level of energy. There's a calmness. There's a certainty to it. Um, and the best of both worlds is when you have a very good pitch that's not generic like that one. That's a big problem with that pitch. And you have a confident and, and calm tone. And so a, as I evolved as an SDR, I was able to make my pitch more specific and I found my organic tone that allowed me to be successful in sales. And so the end pitch I resulted in was something like, Hey, good morning, Katie. Look, I honestly don't know if you're even the right person to talk to, but um, what I did notice is that Sam, your storage administrator uh, mentioned that you have a VNX 5,400 in your data center. And I'm going to assume that EMC is probably charging you about $50,000 a year to maintain that sucker when my company can maintain it as a third party for probably about 12 grand. And so we could save you probably about $36,000. And I had no idea if, if that would be even remotely interested to you or not. And so the difference there is huge. I'm not asking for permission to speak to them. I'm, I'm diffusing 
the uh, the tension of a cold call at the very onset. Hey, I don't even know if you're the right person to talk to, honestly. But what I do know is that Sam, and I'm referencing specific knowledge that I have about their data center, their environment, within the first 10 seconds of the call, that piques their interest and results in them being more likely to be willing to give you the full 30 seconds that you need to deliver your value proposition up front. Um, and then from there, I'm pointing out specific value, not vague general value. You have this piece of hardware. We can save you $36,000. Are you interested? Yes or no? And if no, well, then you can roll into an objection handling thing of, huh, well, that's interesting. I mean, was my information off? Do you not run EMC? Oh, no, we do run EMC, but we just renewed it. Oh, that's totally fine. Like, I, presumably then you have Dell PowerEdge servers, right? Yeah. We do. Oh, well, how many? Like, do you have 50, 100, blah, blah, blah? And you can just run into an objection handling and then a deeper discovery call, regardless of the answer to the initial question that you had in your pitch. Um, so in addition to having the tone down, you also need to know how to segue into discovery within the first minute of a call. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's probably a lot to unpack there. I'll stop there. Yeah, yeah, so that makes sense. So you're talking about like the specific pieces of information that you use. Where do you go about finding those kinds of, that kind of information? Right, yeah, this is actually a really easy trick that virtually anyone can deploy. Um, so you're gonna use Google and you're gonna search, you're gonna limit the search to linkedin.com forward slash in. And what that does is it limits it only to LinkedIn profile pages. And then you're gonna type in keywords that indicate that your product would be a good fit to help them solve a specific problem. So if you know that you replace a certain technology, let's say you replace, um, I'll use data center examples, where we are a replacement for NetApp storage arrays. Well, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna search linkedin.com forward slash in and then put in quotes NetApp and then some names of titles that I want to talk to, like um, engineering, uh, data center, et cetera. And what that'll show up is a whole bunch of people who brag that they have NetApp in their data center, who have the kinds of titles that I want to talk to. And then I have a very personal pitch that I can give each of them. Hey, saw on your LinkedIn profile that you're running a NetApp storage environment and you've got over a petabyte. And then you launch into your value prop like customers like X and Y are replacing their NetApps um, with pure storage to achieve X and Y benefit. Are you open to learning more? Something like that. Yeah, it sounds quite interesting and also not like it would take a long, like a long amount of time to find, which I think is no. like a, a catch for a lot of people that are like, Oh, it's going to take so much longer to personalize like this like email or phone call that I'm going to like send. It's like, that's not necessarily true. It doesn't have to be like a hour long search for a piece of information. So we were talking about cold calls. So we talked about tone and such. So what are some other best practices for when you're cold calling? I really like the, uh, the idea of not asking for permission. Um, it became a thing, like a sales tactic to say, did I catch you at a bad time? And then ever since it became a sales tactic, now it's just like, 
you immediately know that it's a cold call if someone asks you that. And so it's, it's kind of unfortunate because like these tactics, they all have a shelf life. They're effective until they're not effective. And then they're anti-effective. They're counterproductive. So something that's been changing recently has been just going into, Hey man, I don't even know if you're the right person to talk to or if a conversation even makes sense, but here's my specific research on your company. Here's what I could do for you. Does that sound totally terrible and useless to you or, or, or what? <laughs> like, like launching into it with something like that or another great approach is to simply say, Hey Katie, this is Matt with company. Look, this is a cold call and I'm not going to waste any of your time. I have one question for you. And then you launch into a question that's typically some kind of open-ended question. Um, the point to take away from all of this is that there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat. You can make a cold call in a lot of different ways, but in principle, you don't want to do what the masses are doing. You want to find an unorthodox approach that's a pattern disruptor that you can execute consistently. And once you've found that, whatever that is for you, that your unique personality um, finds comfortable doing and can do so in an authentic tone, um, just stick to that and that will carry you very far. That's a really great piece of advice. I like that a lot. That it just because like you sound really like authentic with one line doesn't mean it's going to work for the next three people that you tell it to. If it doesn't sound authentic in their voice, it's not, not going to be as effective. I like that. So we talked about cold calls. Let's talk about emails, email best practices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, I'm always learning in this area too. Like there's, there's no limit to how good your cold emails can get. Um, and it really depends on how we're defining a good uh, cold email. There's basically what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of variables. So you could write a, a mass blast email that has very short, quippy copy with a clear call to action that goes out to a hundred thousand people. And you could get, you know, 20 to 30 opportunities from that. And that's great. That's served its purpose. But that style of selling um, is slowly dying. And the reason for that is, is many fold. A, people are paying less attention to that kind of mass marketing communication and personal content is what is more effective these days. And then B, um, email spam filter technology at the hardware level and at the internet service provider level and at multiple other levels is advancing. And so it's increasingly difficult to send out that kind of mass content. And so what you have to do nowadays is be personal. And so what does that mean? Well, it means that the value proposition that you're sending to someone over an email has to be about a specific problem that they might actually have. And gone are the days of reaching out cold to complete random strangers and taking a machine gun approach. Now the best salespeople tend to be the best snipers. And it doesn't mean that, you know, they're only taking down whales. You can be a sniper and take down 30 deer. Um, and at the end of the day, have just as much meat on your table as a whale. Um, so then there's different tactics and different strategies that you use in email, just like in cold calls and just like in sales to get the whale versus get the, uh, the deer. 
And typically you have to put in more effort and more energy into the personalization with the whale. With the whale, you might have to listen to three podcasts that they've done and like discern um, something that's like very specific and unique about their past or, or something that they've achieved and like make a clever, catchy subject line that segues into it. You can see folks like Josh Brown and Sarah Brazier on LinkedIn sharing this kind of approach where they're saying like, you know, the, the CTO has an interest in cycling and they like mention like the specific bike model that the CTO has in the subject line. And then they like make an analogy from biking into some kind of piece of like technology that they're selling. And then they use a, uh, an interest close at the, uh, as the CTA in the email open to learning more. Um, like that kind of shit is like really high level, really advanced stuff, but you don't have to start there. Like if you're new to sales, the best thing that you can do is just mention one thing inside of the email template that shows that you know who they are. And if you've done that one thing, you immediately stand out from 80% of all of the sales correspondence they receive because the bulk of it is all completely automated. And so if you just personalize the subject line to something that is like referenced on their LinkedIn and say, Hey Bill, saw on your LinkedIn X, Y, Z, that's really cool. Um, wanted to reach out because product value and then call to action at the end, like that alone is enough to get started with. But there's a ton of different levels that you can analyze um, cold email best practices and principles um, Josh Braun, again, is a fantastic resource on this. I think that his content around cold email approach is very good. So if you're looking for a good resource, follow Josh Braun on LinkedIn. Yeah, thank you. So just for like a theoretical scenario, what if the person you're trying to contact is not active on LinkedIn? Um, know something about them. It doesn't matter if it's on LinkedIn or not. You just need to know something about them. Um, if you know nothing about them, well, then your first problem is learning something about them because you're, you're just not going to have a good pitch if you know nothing about the person that you're emailing. Yeah, that makes sense. So just like, I mean, you could use the same tactic you use on LinkedIn with other sources like different social media or even just Google. Yeah, different social media, look for interviews they've done, look for blog posts that they've written or guests, uh, guest appearances that they've made. Um, look for personal websites, look for their Twitter, look for their Facebook, look for whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. So the, the route you take there to get there is, uh, doesn't matter as much as just the ultimate outcome of learning a specific piece of information about them. Right, right. And then like you can talk tactically about best practices for the email itself. Um, when you write an email, you should throw it into a word counter. And then you should write down whatever that number is. And then you should try to rewrite the email so that it has half as many words, especially if you're new to sales, because your tendency is going to use marketing type language of like, our solution has decreased the amount of time that it takes to um, onboard your new customers by up to 50% or more. Um, and then that can all be synthesized and just cut down to 
will help you onboard your customers twice as fast. And when you learn to write good um, copy like that, you'll notice that you speak very directly. You speak very succinctly. Your emails aren't long. They're easy to read. And some of the best emails are written at a third or fourth grade level. Um, because that's how clear and efficient your communication has to be to be legible, especially to busy people. Yeah, so basically you want to write the two-sentence version of what you would write in three paragraphs. Yeah, I mean, if it took you three paragraphs, you can give yourself three, three to four sentences, sentences right? Like yeah. try, to, try to condense it into one paragraph at most, especially if it's a cold email. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, like, you don't want to, what is it, like, the too long didn't read. Like, you don't want that to happen to yeah. emails just because they're, like, a pair, like, super long. Like, especially if what you have to say can be said in less words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then it gets into, like, follow-up strategy. So one incredibly useful follow-up email is to literally reply to the same email and just ask any thoughts, question mark. That's it. Done. That will, that will typically have a much higher response rate than your first email. And you'll either get a yes or a no or an objection of some kind, but you'll get a response. So would you use that as like a second touch? Yeah. Or you can have it be your fourth touch. Like the more times that you follow up in the same email thread, the more likely it is that you'll get a reply. Um, so long as you're not like sending total garbage at least. Yeah. So when you're replying in email threads, do you want, so obviously your first email is going to be like more directed into like your context and your value prop. But after that, what kinds of, substance do you want in your emails so like you're gonna have your main one and then you're gonna have like like you have this one that's literally just any thoughts but after that first email are you gonna have any that have like more substance to them hmm. yeah i mean this is where the sky's the limit and depending on the, the complexity of what you sell and the, the type of buyer that you're trying to appeal to you can really make your own strategies I know a guy named Casey McGough who exclusively sends long emails on the very first touch point, but the, but the emails are like groundbreaking thought leadership and like well-researched questions to like create a new world of possibility in the buyer's mind. And that's like a very specific skill set um, to sell a very technically complex product. Um, and then when he responds and replies to these emails, he has like several more templates that he can use to further educate his buyer before they'll typically respond. So it's entirely possible, yes. It's an interesting concept of like how you could learn to frame your product as something that would change someone's like universe you know like yeah. at least for a specific problem like if they're having a problem mm -hmm. and you can like frame it as such to like make it revolutionary in their eyes yeah or just to say like this really sucks for you and i can delete this problem from your life does that sound cool <laughs> like there's a 
there's a lot of different ways to to skin the cat in sales and that's what kind of makes it fun i like that this is gonna sound maybe slightly weird but that you sound so human in your sales like just everything that you word because i feel like a lot of people try to make it sound professional but Mm -hmm. in doing so it kind of cuts out the like the like the human aspect of it like you're not gonna talk to your friend and like a per like mm-hmm. a super professional way and doing that with uh, customers kind of makes it harder to make that connection yeah it does it serves as like literally nothing more than a barrier to communication when if you speak conversationally you're creating a connection because at a human level the more comfortable we are with someone, the more we let down our guard and the more relaxed our speech is with that person. And so if you can approach your prospects that you've never met before, the same way that you would approach someone that you love and trust, and you can speak to them in candid terms with an open and, and like authentic tone of voice, that really opens up doorways for you um, because people can sense that you're the real deal People can sense that you mean what you say, that you're trustworthy and transparent. Um, And then that is when really like the universe is in your hands. You can do virtually anything that you want if you're able to get there. And I certainly don't think that I'm there. I think that it's a a work in progress and that I'll be working for years to get there. But I think that if you set your sights, that that's my end goal is I want to be able to operate in my career as my true, organic, authentic self and to treat people equally, and to help them solve problems. Um, that's a good North Star to have. Yeah, it's like about the journey more than the destination. Totally, yeah. Yeah. So I do have a question about voicemails. So when you, when you get someone's voicemail, what kind of uh, script do you use? Uh, well, voicemails... I have two two thoughts on them. One thought is that they're a total waste of time and that you should never bother unless you already have a rapport and relationship built up, in which case that there is no true template that you can use because normally you're following up on a particular opportunity that you already have with them. Um, but then I contradict myself because at Reliant, um, I left a particular type of voicemail that got me two opportunities and that voicemail went something like, morning, Steve, this is Nick from Reliance. Hey, I know you've got a VNX 5300 in your data center based on your LinkedIn. Um, my company can help you cut down the maintenance spend on that by about 70%. So if you're paying 10K now, we can help you do it for about 3K. If that sounds useful, I've sent you an email. The subject line is VNX 5300. Go ahead and search it in your inbox and uh, I hope to talk to you soon. Thanks, Steve. Bye. Now, that I feel like could work. Um, It takes effort. You have to know something about the person. Um, So if you have like a a transactional value proposition where it's like really cut and dry, like because this condition is met at your company, I know that I can help you. And you just point to that. And then here's where the tactic comes in. The tactic is you point them to an email that's already in their inbox so that they can search it and take action on your voicemail. Like, no need to call me back, just look at my email, subject line, VNX 5300. Um, that's the, the winning mix. I think doing those two things combined created opportunity for me. But in general, um, I've just stopped <laughs> trying to, to do that. 
Yeah, that makes sense because you never know if they're actually going to listen to their voicemail anyway. So it's kind of like most people save don't. The 30 That's seconds. The yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. How do you go about prospecting? What kind of tools do you use? Hmm. Yeah, super depends on like the industry slash what your role is. I mean, generally when people say prospecting, they mean finding uh, people at companies that could potentially be a good fit based on certain assumptions. And so Zoom Info is a phenomenal tool for that. But there's uh, much cheaper versions of that same data, like Seamless.ai, LeadIQ, and these tools you can always use to get your contact lists. Um, however, if you're trying to be really successful, you generally want to go after like the very best possible companies that could give you the best um, you know, income potential and solve their problem at a higher level. And that's almost always done, I think, on LinkedIn. Like LinkedIn Sales Navigator, making a custom search to search for keywords in their profiles that would signal that the company is a great fit, and then making a, a personalized pitch to that company based on the research that you've done on them. That's the uh, the general approach. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So, what would be your favorite resources for someone just starting out in sales that wants to read or listen to? content that'll make them better. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, definitely if you think that anything I've said is useful, um, go to mastermind.army. There you can sign up for my newsletter. I, I ship something valuable for you every single week to help you learn sales fast. And uh, you can also hop in on our weekly mastermind calls. And those are crazy valuable for new sales reps to get a feel of like what kind of challenges people are over coming in their sales careers. We all gather and we help each other solve those problems. It's a lot of fun. Um, beyond that, I would definitely encourage you guys to follow Josh Braun on LinkedIn, but there's also a, a, a Praxis alumni named Jed Marla, and that dude's a genius at being an outbound SDR. He works at PandaDoc. Follow him on LinkedIn and sign up for his newsletter as well, um, because he, he gets like really tactical I'm more focused on like big picture psychology and principles. He gives you like the down to the earth strategies and tactics that he's finding successful. Um, as far as reading material goes, if you want a book that will help you become a very good cold caller, I recommend Smart Calling 2.0 by Art Sobchak, um, spelled S-O-B-C-Z-A-K. That book is the cold call Bible in my opinion. And, uh, really was an invaluable resource for me learning how to do those pitches that I gave as an example on this call. Um, so yeah, those three should be a uh, more than enough for folks to start off with. Awesome. Thank you so much. I think that will be where we end our conversation today. It has been very valuable for me and I've definitely learned a lot of things that I plan on taking and implementing. Beautiful. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Katie. This was super fun. And